Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Intelligent Developers, led by Andre Bueno and Gerard Delane. Greetings, my brother. Greetings. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Today, we're going to talk about the single family rental industry. Um, it's been a fascinating trend that we see is growing. Um, a few moving parts, and uh, we think it's something that everybody should be aware of and paying attention to, right? Mm. So, for those who don't know, you know, there's been this fast-growing segment of the housing market, um, which is investors buying single-family homes uh, for investment purposes, and it's having an effect on the housing market in ways that we didn't realize. Combine that with a housing market that is also, you know, at an all-time high, where people wanted to buy homes and get more space. Um, you know, we think it's 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 been very interesting to see, right? What are your kind of high-level thoughts on space? Well, um, I'm in I'm in California. Uh, a lot of the single-family housing market uh, really started. You know, picking up steam here during like the Great Recession, when right. um, you know different players in the industry, like Blackstone, had created uh, that that group, uh, Invitation Homes, um, right. which they were, were essentially buying like a hundred thousand houses every right. every couple of days. And they were buying them, you know, in uh, you know basically by the tape. So banks would essentially say, "Here are the, you know, all, all the." houses we have in foreclosure and they were buying them at the courthouse steps and you know they're essentially um buying buying them and they were buying them all over the place right and right. and then as time kind of progressed the industry started to mature started to professionalize i mean by no means is this um you know the overwhelming majority of the industry it's i think it's like five percent or something so Still very very Correct. early on. Correct. But it's it's fascinating to see. I mean, they're you know they're acquiring these houses that call it a five five and a half cap on an unyielded, untrended basis, and you know they're renting them out for a number of years, and then eventually they're selling them at what would be considered a three and a half four cap. Right. Right. Very standard real estate transaction. Um, yes, you know, it was a smart idea before this kind of COVID change in the market of, you know, people want to rent, right? Cities have been expensive. Um, you know, for young people, it's now hit a point that living inside of the city, you know, may not be economical. Maybe you have a small family. Maybe you either don't want to buy or can't buy yet. Um, this provides another option. Um, and that people have started to solve this, this problem. So as you pointed out, Blackstone's been big in this space. Berkshire Hathaway, you know, Warren Buffett is actually really big in the real estate space. Um, much bigger than I think most people realize. Um, and in particular, in the single family space. Hmm. It's not just through sales. Is that right? Like, Correct. What, what are you, uh, I guess, hinting at specifically? I mean, the ownership of single family homes, Berkshire Hathaway owns a lot of them as well. You know, 
mm. the arguably the greatest investor of all time, <laughs> you know, is buying single family houses in America, which is telling, which is telling, right? He owns Coca-Cola and, and Goldman Sachs and right and Apple and all these other things that have been great investments. And one of the things he's investing in is Burcadia. Yeah, Burcadia, which is, I think, maybe the biggest investment sales company in the country, I think. Quietly. Mm. It might be. I, I, I mean, other than CBRE and Cushman, but they're not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's up there with them quietly. Again. Interesting. The greatest investor um, of all time. He's made some good moves. So if you see some moves he's making, you're like, wait, let me pay attention to that. <laughs> let me, that that right. might be a good decision if he's doing it. Um, so, so I guess from like, from, from a development standpoint, uh, it's, it's fascinating to see how this industry evolves from you know, on one hand, you have the invitation homes that they're they're looking to deploy just this year alone, like a billion dollars in acquiring right. existing single family residences for the sole purpose of renting them. They're yes. looking in places like Nashville and Austin, right. um, obviously lots of things, you know, in California, uh, right. South Florida, I know Orlando, I remember or I was looking at portfolios in Orlando and Tampa and people had 80, 90 doors and, you know, they're getting pretty good, uh, pretty good rents and, and, yes. you know, pretty good yields on that, uh, on those investments and fascinating to see how, um, I guess different lenders have like started to come in and actually start to securitize, you know, on a residential right. basis, um, right. you know, a lot of those loans. So it, you know, I think, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Invitation Homes was the first one to do like a billion dollar securitization uh, mm -hmm. using uh, an RMBS execution. And this was like three, four years ago. And I think, right. uh, you know, one, I can't remember if it was Freddie or Fannie that backed them on that. Wow. And now as the industry continues to evolve, we're even seeing, you know, people on the development side start to actually get into like purpose built communities and built for yes. rent communities. Yes, that is 100% true. I think I saw Madison Capital gave somebody a loan to build a single family home community in New Jersey. Um, yeah, wow. it's a, yeah, it's a very, very interesting space. It, it's funny, we, we have this topic today. So this week, um, me and my girl, we went up to look uh, at houses to rent just north of New York City. And it's fascinating that there's areas of Westchester where like whole neighborhoods are now rentals. Um, communities that you can see the bones of the community. It was like, yeah, like these all used to be single family houses. And you can see where either they knocked the house down and build a duplex or that they've carved up the house. You know, some of them, you go through the front door and now there's a pair of doors on the backside. Uh, we saw one where the, the door for the second room is at the back of the building. Um, and it's fascinating because the rents that you can get now, if you rent out the duplexes, is 
significantly higher than having a single family mortgage at that location. Um, and the demand mm. that's happening right now, it is a, a no brainer as an investment, especially if you lived in a neighborhood, let's say you're retiring, you know, you want to move right now. It's like the best moment ever for those housing values. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, comparing, comparing where housing prices were like a year ago compared to today. Yeah. You have large influx of individuals who've like come into the market and, um, you know, they're, they're buying condos or they're buying houses at like, you know, sub 3% mortgage rates. I have a, I have a friend who purchased a condo in Chicago, very, very nice. Uh, right. part of Chicago and in, in, in the South Loop. Um, mm. During the pandemic, he ended up renting out that his condo and things are doing well. Call mm. it three months ago, he's back on the market shopping, buying another one. And it's because rates are super cheap. I think he's, lo- he, he's going to lock in like 2.65% for... That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, but then we're, we're also seeing, I guess, uh, really platforms, I guess, coming together, like as, uh, I guess, owner operators of like apartment communities are starting Correct. to see the benefit for essentially, you know, Correct. seeing how to purposely built out these, uh, um, communities, these, like, yeah, these communities. Yeah. I see, um, Invesco uh is investing five billion dollars um with a small company to go out and buy single family rentals around the america over the next three years um mm. you know so the good news on the investment side is they're going to have a big checkbook and they're going to be able to go out and buy aggressively and swiftly uh, with a large purse the negative side is there's no way a 25 year old is going to compete with that to buy right. a house in that community. There's no way a small family trying to get their first house is able to compete with that. So yeah, it's going to be a delicate dance. We'll see how the government eventually, I think the government is going to eventually intervene, but um, yeah. Yeah, the demand is there, but the supply is scarce, right? Mm-hmm. Single family homes, it takes a long time to build them. Supplies are really expensive now, like wood is out of control, you know, layer on inflation, which is a problem in general, but it's definitely hitting the construction market in a big way. The labor is actually hard. Getting enough people, getting good people um, is a problem for a lot of general construction companies. Um, so creating more of it, it just takes time. So now we got picked up demand, pricing pressure. Um, yeah, complicated. So I guess where, where do you think, where do you think this market goes to you know people people are going to be moving back to the offices 
uh, right. or that moving back to the major, you know, major uh, metropolitan areas, um, right. you know, single family houses, you know, for rent will continue to be another option, you know, in those specific submarkets. And, right. and it makes sense. Like Daryl Carter had mentioned that um, if you were to look at the amount of, you know, call it three, four bedroom units that were built mm -hmm. since the, call it the great recession, it's less than 8% of the floor plans that we've been delivering. We've been building a right. ton of studios and a ton of one bedrooms. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess going forward, it sounds like the, the single family market really benefited from being yes. really the only option for these, um, right. you know, different multi-generational households. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough. It's been a, a disconnect between the supply and the demand. Um, yes, as an investment class, you know, that is the opportunity is that there's this disconnect and then you can find that arbitrage and come in and, you know, participate. Um, but you ask, you know, how do I see things going? I think cities have to figure out how to grow, right? So there's cities, so New York isn't necessarily in the growth mode, but you think of like Austin, Nashville, Atlanta, like cities got to figure out like, how do we want to grow? Um, you know, that's part of what urban planners do, right? Which is determining, you know, here's where the business district is, here's where the school zone is, you know, here's the residential corridor. Um, I think if it's done right, um, there's plenty of demand for rental housing that can be done well. Um, and if they have some sort of rent to own product, even better. Mm. Have, I guess, have you seen, uh, I guess, competitors come into the market in which they're, they're creating rent to own um, product and offering the financing just as a means to almost guarantee their exits? Um, I've been hearing, you know, murmurs of different products to try to solve that problem. Um, I even heard that there's a, some sort of Litech the ownership type path um, because Litech solves one problem, which is giving you shelter, you know, at a reasonable price. But in the long term, it doesn't give you any economic benefit as a renter. Right. So you live there 30 years, you move out in year 31, you get zero out of that relationship. Right. Um, <laughs> you walk out the door. And when when you, you say, Go ahead. Go ahead. Now I'm saying you walk out the uh, door, um, you know, if you made a garden or you painted the side of the place or you, you, you renovated your interior space or whatever you did over the last 30 years, you get no economic benefit whatsoever. The neighborhood got better because you were there and had an after school program and like, you know what I mean? You created a, a festival for the summer, like you created value for that neighborhood the owners get all the benefit of that. And I think that's what the, I guess the community land trust model is really trying to correct you know, back for that, right? Correct. So the CLTs are trying to come up with a way 
to give equity to members of the community. Um, gives them a vested interest in that community to make that community better, keep it amazing, keep it great. And then they get to enjoy the benefit of that, right? Some equity, you could help put your kid through college. You know, you could pay for some health issue that pops up. Um, home ownership gives you that. Renting does not. Hmm. And I mean, you were you were touching on on LIHTC earlier. Um, mm -hmm. And when you say LIHTC, you're talking about the low income housing tax credit. Is that right? Yes, correct, correct, correct. And that's been traditionally used for, uh, I guess, the development or I guess the production and eventually preservation of um, subsidized housing, right? Mm -hmm. So how, how would that play out in the single family space? I mean, what tools or mechanisms do you think uh, could be used for someone that's looking to get into the SFR market? So I haven't done it yet, but the way the gentleman was explaining to me is that in year 15 of a LIHTC deal, you have to do something, right? Either refinance or exit. Um, and that what they're looking to set up is some way that in year 15, you know, if you wanted to opt in, you could get an equity stake in whatever that new situation is, either co-op or, or condo, um, oh. maybe, maybe CLT, right? That there's some entity that could take over the ownership structure and there'll be equity stakes that'll be sliced out. Um, but back to your point about single family, maybe not so much single family, but maybe duplexes. You know, if you have a portfolio of duplexes that are adjacent or townhomes that are adjacent, uh, yeah, that could be financed that way. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it would, it would really um, depend on like the parcels being contiguous and yeah, exactly. still kind of run into the same issues from yeah from a lending standpoint. Right, um, right. I know we just scratched the surface. There's so much that we could still uh, talk about when it comes to the single family rental space. Um, mm -hmm. But I think this will be a good, I guess, primer or introduction into just some of the topics that uh, you know we can continue diving into uh, in future episodes. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, this is just a start of the conversation. Um, you know, for those out there, you know, wherever you are in the country, I'm sure housing prices are expensive. <laughs> wherever you are, and this is a part of the equation, which is institutional investors, local and international, um, are investing in single families, and it's, it's having a definite impact. So um, thanks for joining us again. Um, Till next time. Till next time.